The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. Today on episode six, we have Gary DeMar of American Vision from Powder Springs, Georgia. Gary is the author of many books, including Last Day's Madness and God and Government. Gary, welcome to the Master's Crib. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. So let's just talk a couple minutes about uh, you and your ministry and, and where you've been uh, throughout your life. So uh, when did you start with American Vision? I started part-time in 1979. There was a fellow, Steve Schiffman, uh, who was teaching on America's Christian history, and he needed somebody to do some research and writing for him, and I was a seminary graduate, and I was teaching at a, a Christian school uh, nearby, and he came in to give, give, to give a presentation on what he was doing, and then he met me and another fellow, and he hired us uh, for part, you know, part-time, and then I came on full-time, and uh, we ended up producing a, an, an audio uh, tape that won a, uh, an Angel Award called The American Vision 360 Years Later. And, cool. and for then from that, uh, I, I was able to move him beyond the, the singular America's Christian history. It was something that was important, but other people were doing that. And so we expanded out to a biblical worldview ministry. And that's when I... Uh, came up with uh, writing the God and Government series, uh, which ended up being a three-volume 86. Those three volumes came out, and uh, they really helped the home school movement because they became a, a curriculum item for, for lots of young people mm. growing up. In fact, I have a, a, a doctor friend in Houston, Texas, and I came down, went down to visit him in his new home, and his daughter came to the door. I don't know. She must have been, I guess, you know, 30 years old, and <laughs> she told me that she— she used my my uh, b- books when she was when she was growing up, and oh, that's cool. uh, she got in trouble with her father because I guess he asked he asked her whether he, she had finished one of her lessons, and she lied about it, and she couldn't go to a movie, <laughs> she couldn't go to a movie and all that. And I really felt bad for her. But anyway, uh, I, I run into people all across the country who say, "Oh, we you know I, we grew up with a God and Government series," oh, that's cool. and uh, it it helped Christians understand that in biblical terms, government isn't synonymous with politics. Um, and then we expanded off into the eschatology thing because as I went out and spoke on God and government themes and economics and education, and invariably there'd be somebody in the audience who would say, why are we wasting our time on all this? Because Jesus is coming back soon. Uh, remember, this was uh, 1970, Hal Lindsey had come out with his book, Late Great Planet Earth. Uh, things were supposed to... Uh, really go downhill by 1988 and uh, people were really anticipatory to this idea that you know, the rapture was around the corner and they were wondering why we're messing with politics and economics and education because jesus is coming back because israel was became a nation again uh, the, the generation was 40 years 1948 plus 40 is 1988 and uh and so i've just been doing this ever since and have have gained 
a following as, you know, especially with the, the change in the way that we can get together with, with people, with the internet and self-publishing and uh, audio and video and debates and things that, that, uh, that I did over the years. Uh, it's been a huge change in people's perspective. It's not that the, the being challenged today by many more people uh, than what happened in the 1970s and 1980. So 1980, I, I came on full-time in 1981 and have been with American Vision yeah, since you know, almost uh, almost forty years. Wow. Yeah. So, what's the what's the mission of American Vision? What are you trying to do? Helping Christians understand, articulate, and implement a biblical worldview. Trying to get them to understand that the Bible applies to every area of life. It's not that the you go to the Bible and you're going to learn mathematics, or you go to the Bible and you're going to learn how to run a country or a business. The Bible does, it lays the, 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 um, uh, the foundation upon which you can, you can do those types of things. And mm. the, the Bible doesn't try to defend or prove that God exists. The Bible begins with the operating uh, premise that in the beginning God create, created the heavens and the earth. Mm. And so everything flows from that. Now you can't, you, you, you can't think outside of a biblical context, even the most Atheistic atheist cannot think outside a biblical context. An atheist cannot be consistent with his atheism. Mm. Uh, um, and so the, 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 the Christian begins with that foundational principle that with God, only with God, with the God of the Bible, do things make sense. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the materialist is left with only, tr- only trying to explain things in terms of, of, of matter. You know, if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. Well, then how do you account for reason, example? How do you account for logic or mathematics or thinking? These are not material things. And so the unbeliever, in order to live rationally in this world, has to be inconsistent with his operating presuppositions. I'll give you a good example of this is this virus is taking place. Um, And so here we are in April of 2020. And if atheists were consistent with the position, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have anything about you know social distancing and staying away from everybody and right. wearing masks. They would say, "Let this let this virus do its job. It's going to kill off. It's going to kill off the weak." And that's what evolution does. Uh, we got here through survival of the fittest. Uh, you know, nature, red in tooth and claws. Tennyson said. But see, people can't live consistently with those assumptions. They want to live and they want to have meaning to life. And they cannot live within the, the parameters of their own materialistic worldview. Well, that is so that is so awesome. And at least my congregation from this conversation is going to hear a lot of things that I say because I read your work and I listen to a lot of stuff uh, you put out. Um, so the fact that uh, the gospel is meant to affect every area of life, the Bible has something to say about every area of life. These are just truths that I just pray really, really sink in throughout this conversation. So that being said, let's take a few minutes, you and I, and, and tear into God's word. Uh, tonight we're going to look at uh, Psalm 2, and i just like to read that. It says this, Why do the nations rage? And the peoples plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. 
saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like the potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So obviously, there is a rebellion taking place uh, within this psalm. Would you talk about that for a minute, Gary? Well, I think it's very clear. You go all the way back. We have to remember that the book of Psalms, Proverbs, are in the, essentially in the middle of the Bible. And they, they are, they're built on a, a prior revelation, explaining what happened to mankind with the fall. Uh, and so, you know, just what, what two people, a decision two people made has ramifications far beyond just those two people. Mm. There's kind of a domino effect of, of poor self-government. Uh, and so uh, we, we're under God's government, and uh, he has delegated governments among us, family government, church government, civil government, but under, underlaying those three institutional governments is self-government. And that, that's the self-government, either good or bad, manifests itself in every area of life, in your area of economics, and, and essentially here in this particular passage is, is politics. And you, you find that the kings, the kings are a reflection of the people. Mm. You get the government that you want, that you vote for. You see this very early on in First, in, in first Samuel, First Samuel chapter 8, where people wanted a king like all, all the other nations. And God said, well, so this, is the, this is the kind of government, this is what's going to happen. Mm. And even after they were told how bad things were going to be, they still wanted a king like all the other nations. A king in and of himself is not a bad thing. Uh, what was bad is a king that was autonomous. He was a law unto himself, which the book of Judges mm. was very clear about. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And so if every man can do what is right in his own eyes, and every king can do what is right in his own eyes. Mm. And that you go all the way back to Exodus of Moses, who was trying to be the singular monarch. He was, he was going to be the guy in control. Well, no one person can do that. And so Jethro comes along and gives him counsel. He says, what you need to do is find the best, the best people, the people who have already demonstrated their ability to govern. That is, their ability. how do you know that? Well, you see it in their personal lives, how they govern themselves and their family lives and anything that they're involved in. He says, then teach them God's law. Mm. And then on the basis of what is what they learn, they then use that in counsel when other, people's, other people come to them and say, adjudicate this issue for me. And this is the same counsel that Paul gives in 1 Timothy chapter 3 on elders. It's the same, it's the same requirements. Uh, people, uh, men who can govern themselves can govern others. Those who refuse to govern well should not be governing others. Mm. Uh, that's, that's the jurisdictional requirements that the Bible lays, lays forth. But what we have here, of course, is a, a king uh, usurping, literally usurping God's governing authority and saying, I'm a law unto myself and I will rule my way. Mm. And uh, as it says, you know, God scoffs he laughs 
at such things because no one person can do such a thing. Even a council of men attempting to do this, it cannot work as, as history attests when you read through the read through the Old Testament with these one nation after another coming up and attempting to usurp God's authority and power, and they are cast down and they are brought to naught and God's kingdom continues to move forward. Yeah, that's so awesome. That is so awesome. So God's immediate response, as we see here, is, is he's laughing, as you just said. He's holding them in derision. But what exactly does that mean? Like, what, what does that mean? What is God doing there? I think he's, I think he's demonstrating how here we are. Uh, you, know, you, you get your telescope out one night and just go look into the vastness of the universe, of the cosmos, and you see how insignificant we are. And then you, you, know, you bring it down to begin to see how insignificant humans are. I mean, this virus going through, I mean, it, it, you, it's, we, are, we are caught in this, this inability to stop something uh, that, that's, that's coursing through our, our population. And, and you know, God calls out to us and he said, put your, you know, put your trust in me. That doesn't mean we're not going to have problems in our world. But this just goes to show show us what we cannot control, mm. what the most powerful people with the highest of degrees can't even project accurately what is going to take place. And you notice how the numbers have changed dramatically uh, over the last couple of weeks. We can't make simple predictions mm. about what's going to take place a week from now. And, and by the way, this 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 uh, concept should also put us in, in good perspective on terms of global warming about you know, these scientists telling us uh, what's going to happen three, four, five, you know, <laughs> 10, 20, or 30 years down the road. And, and they, they, have to, they don't have the slightest ideas because their models are as flawed as they are. Their models are as limited in information as they are. And of course, God laughs at, at those types of things. It's kind of Kind of like we do when we watch our, our children or our grandchildren do something. They fall down, they do this, and we kind of chuckle at them because they were so sure that they could do this, and they were so resistant to any help from us to help them so they wouldn't <laughs> fall down or do this. And we chuckle over uh, over their, their, their pride in doing this, but they learn a lesson with it mm. over time that they are in fact limited in, in their abilities to do these types of things. Mm. So how about God's ultimate response to this rebellion? Well, I think the, I think what ends up happening is people can, people who can um, consistently resist God's way of doing things, the ramifications, the implications, the consequences of that will begin to show um, it happened. It happened all the way through our, our history. Here we started off as a nation that violated God's law regarding man stealing and slavery. Mm. And look, look what it did to our nation. We ended up fighting a civil war. I know people would disagree over it was over slavery, but and it was over slavery and in other things. And then the, the 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 northern governments, of course, used that and took control over our nation as a result of that. Mm. You know, but if we had followed the law about regarding man-stealing, this it never would have happened. Mm. And so the consequences of not following God's law has an impact on er every area of life. And uh, you know, we see it in our, in our 
financial um, doings and dealings. You know, the government comes in and says, oh, we're going to we're going to fix things that happened during the, the uh, before the housing crisis in 2008. Uh, people aren't going to have to have to uh, prove that they can they can pay for a house. And then we're going to guarantee if they uh, guarantee the money, the loans, if they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So people went in there and say, hey, I can't afford this. But the law says you've got to give me this money, but lend me this money that has the full backing of the government. And look what happened with it. Mm-hmm. And we're facing the same type of, 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 of things today with the people saying, look, all the government has to do is just give us free money. <laughs> well, what does free money do? Uh, money made out of nothing dilutes the existing money that you have in your in your bank or in your in, in, in your pocket or in your savings. Mm-hmm. It dilutes it like Isaiah chapter one talks about how your 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 wine has been diluted with water. That is, it's 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 just weights and measures have been violated. Mm-hmm. And it would be like you or me if I had a business selling wine or if I had a business selling any commodity, and I added water to it and sold it as the real thing. That's what our government's doing regarding its money. Mm-hmm. Down the road, this is going to have an effect. It's going to have an effect in, in uh, devaluing your money and prices rise. And we could we could end up having a a depression as people you know get into debt and borrow money in order to, to buy stock and so forth what happened in the great depression there are consequences for violating god's commandments and god's way of doing things hmm. so when we look at at the final three verses here now therefore o kings be wise be warned o rulers of the earth serve the lord with fear and rejoice with trembling kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled blessed are all who take refuge in him when we read passages like this typically the modern church they look and they say something to the effect of well but we have jesus now and they seem to separate the two. They seem to separate the Trinity up and say, well, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in this half of the book, and then here's where God was all was all angry. So are there implications here for us today within these three verses? I think there are. I, I've written extensively on the impact uh, that, uh, that the disobedience to God's commandments uh, had on the on the Jews in the first in the first century, uh, they re, they re, they rejected God's commandments. Uh, they held to their to their traditions, and as a result of that, they 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 abandoned the the you know, God's true commandments, and they worked around those commandments and so forth and so on. Well, the implications of that, uh, you know, resulted in Israel being judged forty years later with the destruction of Jerusalem. Well, that is a past event. Uh, for for us, something that took place already. If you go to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapters two and three, what you see there is a warning to those churches. You know, look, the what happened to Israel. Remember, God's chosen people. What happened to to Israel under the Old Testament in terms of of going into exile, the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom, uh, and also what was going to happen to Jerusalem with the destruction of Jerusalem that took place in AD seventy. And their their generation, uh, God answer. Uh, God gives a warning to those churches. The same thing could happen to you. And these are Christian churches. Mm-hmm. These are believers. But, but you know, Jesus talks about them, uh, uh, you know, giving up their their first love, and your candlestick will be removed. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get get back to your first love, 
I will, I will come against you in judgment. So these, those were Christian churches. Uh, they, they could be judged just as well as Israel was judged. Uh, the, the, the commandments haven't changed. The standard for righteousness is the same. Uh, the church today, you know, not speaking out on the abortion issue, sitting back on, a, on, on the homosexual issue and saying, hey, we're not, Jesus didn't get mixed up in politics. We can't impose our morality and other people. We're told we're not supposed to judge. Uh, our citizenship is in heaven. All of these, all of these excuses that Christians use as to why they shouldn't be involved the impact of that is, is, is coming on us very slowly in some areas and a lot more rapidly in other areas. Mm. So definitely, I'm um, just looking a little bit at, at bringing that into today, um, the cultural implications, uh, we are literally experiencing some of the weight of rejecting God's authority in all these areas. Uh, so it literally looks like this psalm is extremely contemporary to our situation today. Would you agree with that, Gary? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, it's amazing. People love the Psalms, but they only love some of them um, <laughs> because there are there are literally imprecatory Psalms. I mean, really, really tough stuff uh, in, in the Bible. Uh, we as Christians just can't float through life. The, uh, the the ramifications of disobedience, we can't say, well, because, you know, I'm a Christian that you know, these things aren't going to happen to me. That's not the way it works. Uh, all you have to do is read read the book of Acts. Uh, the fa faithful Christians were persecuted. They were going through a period of tribulation all the way up until the time of the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, so this is uh, this is this is n not just an Old Testament thing. Mm. Uh, the reality of this was in the New Testament as well. What I like to do is read about Paul's life. He has a, a, a list of all the things that happened to him. You know, he was beaten by the Jews. Uh, you know, the thirty-nine lashes, well, forty lashes, uh, less one. Uh, he was left for dead. He was nearly stoned to death. Uh, uh, he was in a, you know, a ship that uh, was about to, during the New Testament era, um, and uh, you know, Paul was pretty rough on the Corinthian church. In First Corinthians chapter five, mm. there was unrighteousness in, in the church, and it needed needed to be dealt with. And if it had, if it didn't, he talks about the Lord's Supper. You know, some of you have grown, gotten ill and. And, and even died because of, you know, taking it unworthily. So this is a New Testament thing as well as an Old Testament thing. Mm. Mm. That seems to be a, a serious issue. As I said before, you know, we seem to want to divide the two and we kind of toss the, you know, the unhitch we, we hear uh, them talking about now, some of the bigger churches, one of them in particular, let's unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. It seems to be something that we want to do. And it's like we leave uh, God behind and we say that he's um, something totally different now, ignoring passages where God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We just kind of want to toss that stuff away. And would you say that, um, you know, looking at the state of the church today and, uh, you know, kind of where we've been going with the issue of authority, do you think that we're doing a good job at teaching this in our churches? Oh, I'm sure some some are doing it more than others. Uh, and and I, I, I've seen a change. I mean, since the 1980s, uh, when I did God in government, I mean, it's, I, mean uh, I was I was one guy. And I wasn't the only guy who was talking about talking like that. Mm. But I just all the different ministries out there. Uh, you meant you and I earlier mentioned Jeff Jeff Durbin and there's James White. Uh, there are Christian ministries all across the country who have grasped onto this. Um, 
and on Facebook, again, we think think of the technology that's connected us with 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 these people of like mind. Mm. I remember people. Um, I remember we used to do these conferences in the 1990s when Greg Bonson was alive. Mm. And one of the things I told the young people, we have about 80 or 90 young people who would come for a week, and I said, I want you to look around. Uh, you thought you were you thought you were children of the only crazy parents. <laughs> Uh, in in your circle of friends, I just want you to know that their parents are just like your parents. Well, there are a lot more of them across the country, and it doesn't take doesn't take a majority to change anything. I mean, Jesus had you know twelve apostles, one traitor out of that, and the Christianity spread around the world. I mean, the Apostle Paul and Colossian creature under heaven. Now that was a bit of rhetorical hyperbole, but the gospel had gone throughout the entire Roman Empire just with with 11 guys. Mm. Um, and so the potential for change is, is phenomenal. If we would just, you know, take up the mantle. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians out there who think we're living in the end times, the last days. And why bother with this sort of thing? But they've been saying that for a lot, for a very, very, very long time. Mm. And we've lost some ground as a result of that. So if we get back to the Bible. Uh, uh, my God, I'm not necessarily pushing my God and government series. My God and Government series outlines the decentralization of, of governmental authority. Mm. God is the governor of all things, self-government under God, family, church, and state, all responsible to God. God's word applies to each one of those three jurisdictions in different ways. Uh, Christians would grasp a hold of that and, uh, and, and get away from turning to the state as savior. Uh, we, could, we could transform the United States into something that it's never been. And end up tra- transforming transforming the world as well. Mm. So where do we start that? Where do we start that process? Like the the church today, twenty twenty. I mean, eventually we are going to be moved past uh, you know where we are now with COVID. Where do we start uh, getting that information to everyone? And, and where do we start to turn the tide? Well, I think that the churches need to assist the families. I think the first line uh, here is, are the families, are mothers and fathers, and teaching their children. Uh, and, and bringing up in the, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I know we say that all the time, but we have really left that over to kind of form a kind of osmosis uh, or, and uh, turn them over to, uh, to others. Uh, but uh, parents need to you know, teach their children, hmm. uh, make, make them aware of these things. And, and not just, okay, today we're going to sit down and do the following. It needs to be just an ongoing daily thing. This is what we did with our, our children. And this is what our, our, our children are, are, are doing with their children, our grandchildren. Uh, we, we, teach, we teach as we live. Mm. And uh, it's, whether it's vocabulary, history, uh, science, uh, bring things up to them that they're generally not going to get. Force them to think clearly. Force them to think logically. Force them to think conse- uh, consequently. Mm. Uh, you know, force them to to work through an argument, help them to see what an argument is like, getting them back into, into the scriptures. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 5, where the writer of Hebrews is discussing Melchizedek, uh, verse 10 of chapter 5, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Hmm. And then it's as if the writer of, the, of Hebrews stops, and he says, concerning him we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now this is this is the first century. This is the this is the generation that was alive when Jesus was alive. 
These are the probably the, 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 the parents and the children. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And that's what we need to do. We need to, all of our thinking should should be filtered through the principles of God's word, which then means you need to know God's word in order to practice mm. what's good and what's evil. And, you're, and young people need to be able to have that practice as well, mm. not because they've memorized a bunch of verses. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but they need to be able to see how this applies here and here, how it applies there. And it takes parents to do that, yeah. uh, to help them through that. So that when they go out into the world, I've thought this through already. I know where the I know where the landmines are, are. I know where the foxholes are. I know where the arguments are. I know where this guy is going with this thing. So it really takes the parents and the schools and the churches to, to equip one another to help with that process. Wow, that is so amazing. That is so amazing. Well, would you please just uh, take a couple seconds and just let everyone know how they can find out more information about you, your ministry, American Vision? Well, it's very simple. You can go to AmericanVision.org, AmericanVision.org. I write a daily article Monday through Friday. We offer loads of books, products, and so forth. Uh, we you know, have something probably every week. I just did a, uh, a two-hour interview with a fellow in astrology. That's, you can get that through American Vision as well. Um, American Vision has a Facebook page. Uh, we have curriculum. The God and Government series is there as well. So AmericanVision.org um, is a is a good landing spot for for people who 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 want to learn how to apply these principles to various various areas of life. AmericanVision.org. Wow. Well, Gary, thank you so much. I really really appreciate your time. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm praying that this blesses a lot of people. I am going to be praying for you and your ministry at American Vision. Thank you. 